Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Well, good morning, church. Hey, it is so good to see so many smiling faces in the house of God. Who believes that if we serve a God that is for us, really believe it, that then there is no devil, no power, no principality, no situation and no circumstance that is ever going to be able to come against you and stand. If you believe it, why don't you give Him praise this morning. Father, we thank You that we serve a God that is alive. Well, if you believe that this morning, why don't you turn to someone and tell them, Jesus is alive, get ready. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, you may be seated. Lozzie George, beautiful. Thank you. Phenomenal worship as always. As always. Good morning. We need more? All right. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm part of the team here at C3 Noosa. Well, the title of my message this morning is this, Dumping Distraction. And I specifically wanted to use that word dumping because in our high-tech, fast-paced, never-sleeping lives that we seem to live, I think shifting distraction is no longer simply about just trying to shift your focus, amen? Because we have uh, advanced, uh, captivating, highly stimulating uh, technology that's always available, it's ever ready, just at our fingertips. And so it kind of feels like um, the competition for our time and our energy and our focus has never been fiercer, amen? And I would go as far as to say today that distraction almost can look bigger, uglier, it's a little bit heavier, maybe it's wider, it seems to take up so much space in our life. And so if I want to rid myself of distraction, I've got to get a little bit front-footed. I can't just wish it away. I've got to come up against it. I've got to push back against it. I've got to take distraction by the arms and almost pick it up and move it or dump it out the way so that I can continue to move forward to what God's called me. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to kind of sit around Luke chapter 10, and I want to work through from verse 38. And it says this, it says, now it happened as they went, the disciples, that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And so let me say this this morning, if you and I genuinely welcome Jesus into our life, he will come in. He will respond, Jesus desires to abide with us. Jesus is always ready and willing and responsive to the invite we would extend to him to come into our lives. The truth is this morning that Jesus actually desires to step into our homes, to step into our families. He actually desires to be present in our midst. And so here we have the Bible. It doesn't say if Jesus and Martha have met before or how long it's been since they've met. But I can almost imagine there when I read through the story that there's this kind of excitement and anticipation in Martha, kind of like you and I, waiting on the king and queen of England to come in for lunch, come to our house. You know, they've flown into Australia, they're doing their little royal tour of the Sunshine Coast. We thought we'd take a shot and extend out an invitation and they go, you know what, we're coming, we're going to come. And now you're like, ah, what have I done? And so there's this anticipation and expectation that Jesus who's the Son of God, He's the King of Kings, He's the Messiah in that day who's turning history on its head, 
has accepted this invitation. But what I love about Martha is this. It says that seeing her disciples and Jesus coming through her village, she says, you know what, I know who this is, and I'm not content to allow him to simply pass by. And so what I want to say this morning, church, when we talk about distraction is this. We've got to get off believing and understanding that somehow Jesus just dwells on the peripheral of our life. That we get out of from what we do and how we journey and we go into church to find Jesus or we go to the pulpit to find Jesus or we go to the next conference to find Jesus and like a product, we go out there to experience Him. That's awesome, but now let me get back to my life. And so we come back into our homes and into our families and into our marriages while Jesus stays out on the peripheral. But Martha didn't accept that. She said, I know who this is and I want to connect with Him. I want to reach out to Him. I'm going to offer an invitation for him to come into my home, and so Jesus accepts. And so verse 39, it goes on, and it says, And Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so here's the deal. When Jesus comes into your life, he comes with the intent to bring his word with him, that you and I would hear it. Amen? And this is significant. Why? Because Jesus doesn't come into your life to see how much you can impress him or entertain him by all that you are and all that you do. As good as it may be, Jesus comes into your life with the intent to speak to you and that you would listen. But who understands that if we want to listen to the word of God, we have to be present with God. We actually have to sometimes stop Sometimes in the chaos that is life, we have to come out of that and make ourselves available to him in order to hear what he has to say, amen? You see, and here Martha, what she does is she says, great, Jesus, come into my home, and then automatically she sets to serving. She sets to preparing a place for getting her home ready. But the Bible says that she also had a sister, Mary, who welcomed Jesus into her home, but then immediately followed his lead, followed into a place where she could be seated at his feet, to listen to what he had to say. And this really talks to me this morning about something called rhythm. You see, there is a rhythm of faith that you and I have to get in Christ. It's this rhythm of welcoming him in, then sitting. Welcoming him in, then sitting. Welcoming Jesus into our lives, then sitting at his feet, allowing the word to come into our hearts, fill us up, then arising and go forward in obedience to that word. It's this great rhythm of faith we've got to learn with God. But so often you and I exist in a relationship that's kind of out of sync and out of rhythm and out of time with God and it's kind of really awkward. I don't know if you've ever seen two people trying to dance and the one person has like the two left feet and so it's like quite painful to watch. You know, Nushi, you know, white men can't dance, can they, Nushi? Where's Nushi? Where's Nushi? Somewhere, I don't know, she's gone. Anyway, it's really awkward to watch. You know, it's not, it's not beauty in motion. It's kind of disjointed and it's like, oh, I'm standing on your toes and it's, oh, I'm sorry. And so we kind of have this relationship with God that's very disjointed. Why? Because we invite him into our lives and then we're like, great, you're here, now let me serve. And so we get put, set into motion straight away. We respond to his presence in our life by saying, now I've got to prepare. I've got to go forth into action. I've got to strive and I've got to strain. And what happens in that is that we stop being able to sit and hear what God wants to tell us. Amen. We stop being able to give Jesus our time and attention and actually hear his word. See, the Bible says that after Jesus had come in to Martha's house, after being invited in, he goes to a place where he can actually be seated and make room for others to come and sit with him, which is kind of crazy. He doesn't come in and say, look, Martha, I appreciate you've welcomed us in. It's kind of short notice. It's me and my disciples. You've got to feed us all. What can I do? Let me help you chop up the onions or let me help you set the table or I feel kind of bad. So, you know, how can I help you in this? 
he goes straight to a place where he can stop and sit, a place where he makes space for others to come and sit around him. And so what happens is, the moment we open our hearts to Jesus, and we allow God into our life, he doesn't go on the offensive, he doesn't come in bearing over you, shouting instructions, he doesn't become this overbearing presence in your life, lording over you how well you're going to serve him, what are you going to do now that you've called me Lord, how are you going to prove yourself to me, what sort of life are you going to live in order that you will impress me? No, when Jesus comes into your life, he wants to come and find a place that he can be seated in the middle of it. He wants to come and take a posture in your life that is actually sitting, and that is significant. Why? Because that's the posture he has right now at the right hand of the Father where he's making prayers for us continually, intercession for us continually. So when he comes into your life and he says, look, I want to find a place where I can sit down, it's to say to you and I this morning, son, whatever obligation you feel, whatever duty you have, you think you have, to strive and strain on my behalf, you don't have to do because the work has been done and that's why I can sit down in your life and say I've paid for that at the cross. There's no more requirement on your life to try and prove yourself to me because I've already taken that to the cross. I paid for your life with the highest price possible, that's my blood. Because I paid for your life with my blood, you're no longer a slave to sin and death but you're now free. And because you're free, the requirement of work over your life has already been taken so I sit down in your life that you would come and sit with me and enter my rest, that I can then speak into your world that you would hear what I'd have to say to you, amen? So, and that is why Christ chooses to sit. That is why Christ chooses to sit because he's the perfect lamb that has accomplished it all. And I wanna tell some of you this morning, you need to hear this, there is no more that you and I can do beyond what Christ has already done to earn you or buy you or give you more merit or favor or grace with God. So when God comes into your life, he's not looking to be impressed by you. He's looking to be present with you, that you would hear what he'd have to say, amen? And so verse 40 goes on and it says this, but Martha was distracted with much And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone Therefore, you tell her to help me. You know, one of the greatest things distraction will do in your life is that it will cause you to feel alone and that God doesn't care. Amen? In the pursuit of the distractions that you would chase, you will find yourself being pulled out from under fellowship, pulled out under connection you need, and you'll find yourself traveling down a really lonely road until one day when you're so weighed down by all the cares of this life, all the things you're worried about, you can look over your shoulder and it feels almost like God has disengaged you in that place, that you're now alone, that he doesn't care anymore, that he's not journeying with you anymore. You see, Martha invites Jesus into her home and then she starts to excel. She starts to serve. She says, I've got to make my home ready to be, to be worthy of the person I'm hosting, which just happens to be Jesus. I've got to make my home worthy of his presence. And so I'm getting to preparing my meal, serving, setting the placemats, doing everything I've got to do. But the problem was that in her serving, she fell prey to being distracted. She got busy being busy, amen? And so one of the greatest struggles you and I will face with distraction is not on the outside of our life with Christ, but it's on the very inside that the the war is waged for your focus. You see, the place that God desires to take up residence, the very middle of who you are in your families, as a mother, as a husband, as everything that you are, the very middle dwelling place of your life, it's there that you will find the greatest fight for your focus. Why? 
Because whatever has your focus will determine your direction that you go in this life. And whatever determines your direction will ultimately determine your destination. Amen? And wherever you end up, when you finally reach that destination, it will represent all that you and I have achieved or worked for or done in this life. How we finish up in this life depends on where we end up in this life. Amen? That is why... Jesus is so interested in getting into that middle place of where we are. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying, church, because I understand that we are all called to serve out of a heart that is connected, that finds Christ when we journey with him. We know that it becomes less about who we are, and it becomes more about other people. We know Matthew 20, 27 says, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. So we're called to emulate Jesus and to serve. But I want to ask you this morning, at what cost does your service come? Do you serve out of a love and a heart for Jesus? Or is it a service that has taken the place of your Savior? Amen. And so when life begins to bear down on us, and we find ourselves juggling the balls, and we find ourselves spinning the plates on the sticks, and we've got so many plates to spin. It can get really frustrating because Jesus enters our life, and he goes, awesome that you're juggling, but I'm going to go find a place that I can sit down. And not only does Jesus go find a place where he can sit down in the middle of your life, but then he has the cheek when it feels like things are on the knife edge, and you're juggling so much, and it could all just fall down. He's like, come and sit down with me. Stop juggling. Come and sit at my feet. And you're like, Jesus, you don't understand. And then what makes it worse is if he's trying to hit the only people in your life that seem to be available to you, that you can reach out to, when you're juggling all these things, are those really annoying, frustrating, always smiling, floating on a cloud kind of people that just float through your life. And every time you're trying to project onto them all your cares, it's like, well, brother, God bless you. God is good all the time. You just cast your cares on him because he cares for you. It'll all work out in the end. And you're like, just want to wipe the smile off their face and do other things I won't say in church. But, you know, so we start this internal dialogue with God. God, why don't they do more? God, if they really loved me, they'd do more. They'd give more. They'd be more. If the church was really the church, then they'd support me in this. They'd do this for me. So God, you tell them to get up. You tell them to start helping me. You start them to start, come along. Here's a stick and a plate. Start spinning it for me. You get involved in my life. Amen? And so Jesus responds in verse 41, and he answers Martha, and he says, Martha, time out. Martha, Martha, breathe. Send to yourself, Martha. You're worried, and you're troubled about many, many things. Martha, I see what you're doing. I'm in your home. I see what you're doing. And you know what? I actually understand the reason why you think you have to do it. And church, I want to tell you this morning, I feel on my heart that God would say to some of you, he sees what you're doing, and he understands the reason why you think you have to do it. He sees the decisions you think you have to make. He sees the sacrifices you think you've had to make. He sees the burdens you are carrying that no one else in this church will know you're carrying and he understands the why. You know why the husband stays back later and later and later at work, not wanting to come home to face a marriage, maybe that's lost its spark. Or he just can't handle his kids anymore. Or what about the mom who distances herself from her kids and her family so ashamed of what they would think if they knew how far off the rails her kids had gone. 
Or what about the teenage girl that quietly ends up on the steps of an abortion clinic to terminate a pregnancy, so scared of what her parents might think if they knew? Or what about the pastor who late at night gets up and sneaks down a quiet glass of bourbon and then another and another and another, too afraid to tell people who love him that he's finally reached burnout, that the weight and responsibility of leadership is too much. And so church, Jesus would say, I see what you're doing and I understand why you think you need to do it, but it's because he understands the why, the hurt and the pain and the confusion and the frustration that he says this to Martha. He says, verse 42, but one thing is needed, Martha, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from you. Martha, while you're juggling a hundred plates, spinning plates, juggling balls, in the midst of your distraction, you want for so much. We want God to do this. We want the church to do this. We want people to step up. We want people to be accountable. We want life to work out. But God says, in the midst of that, you miss what is needed. There's one thing that is needed in all of that. And your sister Mary, look, she's chosen the best part. You see, there's always two parts to the journey we walk with God. There's serving and there's sitting. There's serving and sitting. We serve and we sit. We serve and we sit. And no matter how illuminated, talented, faithful, committed, gifted you are, Jesus will always look at your life and say, choose the better part. Choose the part where you would come and sit at my feet. You may be the best worship leader, you may serve, you may have a gift on you that just changes people's lives, changes the world. You may be that good. God says, that's awesome, but I want you more than your gifts. I want you more than your talents. I want you more than the promises spoken over you. I want you. I want you to choose the better part. I want you to come and sit. I want you to come and sit at my feet. You see, if you would make a decision in your life today to dump distraction. To say, God, in the middle of my chaos, whatever it is, I'm going to make myself available to sit at your feet. You will begin to hear his word clearer. And as that word goes from your ears to your heart, it's in that place that transformation begins. It's in that place this word begins to settle in your heart that things shift. That breakthrough occurs. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says it to us. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, because life in all its complexities will so often demand, so often demand all of you. Yep, your time, your energy, your focus, all the time. And so with good intention, often we desire the better life, the healthier families, the more successful careers, the better financially secured futures, and that's great, but somehow we've come to believing that until we arrive there, God will somehow not fully commit to us. He won't fully engage in us until we can show him that life's okay and that we're doing pretty well. But I want to get a bit real with you this morning and say, church, stop chasing the gold at the end of a rainbow. Don't give in to the lie of pursuing a dream that has no legs to stand on in reality because the idea is that God doesn't need you to step out of the condition you're in before he connects with you. He desires to step into your condition in order that he may lay hold of you that he can walk with you, that his very presence will begin to change you, amen? amen? Start where you are, no matter how messed up that might look. When you go out from this place this morning, I want you to say, God, I purpose to make space in my life for you, that you would connect with me. You know, so often, we feel like, you know, and I, I want to I dispel a myth for you this morning, God doesn't want to wait. 
He doesn't want to have to bide his time until you feel you've overcome all your temptations. You've risen above your securities. You've beaten every addiction before he can connect with you. But he desires you now. He wants to connect with you now. He wants to step into your life now, regardless of all of that. So it's not about qualifying to hold the presence of God in your life. It's about being available to God. You know, it's about opening a door to him, regardless of the mess he might see when he comes in on the other side. It's about having a heart that is open, amen, to Jesus. You see, because Christ entered Martha's home, not expecting it to be King Solomon's palace, nor was he expecting Martha to make it one for him. So often we come to Christ with such high expectations, higher expectations on us than Jesus has. And if we don't meet them, we feel disqualified from being in the very presence of God. But for some of you, I want to tell you, let down your expectations this morning. Jesus loves you. He wants to connect with you. He, wants, he desires to, to step into your world. And he loves you not because of what you do, but because of who he is. Amen. What you do may determine the life you live, but that life on its own merits falls far short of the glory of God. Why? Because it's built on our strengths and our ideas and our abilities and our imperfections. So it's not perfect. But in that place, in grace, God extends to us Jesus. And as we accept Jesus, it qualifies us to stand in his presence as sons and daughters. Amen. He's not interested in the superficial in your life. He's not interested in what you can show him on the outside. He wants to step into the inside and he's promised you that he will love you unconditionally. Amen. You know, so what's the deal? Distraction. Man, it just stops you from focusing. It takes up so much of your time that there's no time available. It will weigh down your heart with the cares of this life so your voice begins, so you begin to be numbed, if you will, to the voice of God calling you out to find places of connection. You're not hearing it very clearly anymore. You see, Jesus entering Martha's home and sitting down was an invitation to Martha, come and sit with me, but she didn't get it. She didn't see it because she was so busy in her serving. And so if sitting at the feet of Jesus is the objective, and hearing the word of God being present in his presence is the highest calling, then what about the how? How do we do that? How do we do that in a life that is so full of distraction? Well, come with me to Luke 21 and 34, and it says this, But take heed, that word heed is pay attention to, notice and observe yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing or heavy drinking, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day, what is that day? When Jesus comes to draw near for the final time, comes on you unexpectedly, you weren't expecting it, you missed it, you weren't ready for it and for him. Verse 36, it goes on, it says, and in the daytime, Jesus was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him speak again. So what is, this is Jesus understanding the rhythm of faith with his father. This is Jesus understanding the call on his life, the commission on his life. So during the day he was doing life, he found him in the temple amongst the people, amongst the buzz of work, amongst the buzz of ministry, doing what God had asked him to do. He was teaching and exhorting, he was correcting. He was busy being about his father's business. But as soon as the sun would sink over the mountains of Jerusalem, as soon as the sun would begin to go down and darkness would come, we find Jesus changing that shift. There's a change in dynamic and he stops doing what he's doing and he draws back and he steps out of that and he steps away from the buzz of life and the buzz of ministry and he goes and he isolates himself up on a mount 
mountain called Olivet. And why is that important? Because Jesus understood this concept and idea of taking heed to his life. He watched his life. He knew where his feet were going to take him every day, and he understood who, what, where, and how was going to take his time and his energy and his resources. But when he retreated, what he was doing was he was building space in his life. He was building breathing room in his life. He was stepping out of all that he was accountable for. He was stepping out of all that he was accountable for in order to make quiet places in his life to connect with God. Where the only agenda when he found himself in that quiet place was to connect with the voice of the Father, to commune with the Father, to get out of chaos and sit with his Father. And I want you to follow me in this. Why is that so important? Because Jesus started doing that from an early age taking himself away from the crowds, away from the distractions to connect with his father. Why? So that he could understand and become familiar with the voice of his father. That he knew that voice of his father so intimately that when his father spoke, Jesus knew instinctively who it was and he could respond. And no better place is that outworked than in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because here is a man that is on his knees under the weight and burden and pressure of our sin. At breaking point, the Bible said he's bleeding blood, pleading with his father to take this cup from him. And I believe in that moment, every time he had spent in the quiet place was for that moment. Because I believe God would have spoken to him in the middle of that negotiating, saying, God, take this cup. In the quiet voice, he would have said, my son... I understand the pain, I understand the fear of what you're about to go through, but I need you to do it anyway. You are the only one, you are the sacrifice that needs to happen in order that I can be reconciled to my children. I'm sorry, but I need you to go through with this. And because he knew his father's voice so clearly, he didn't have to budge. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And I will stand up here every day and tell you I'm so grateful that Jesus knew the voice of his Father, that he went to the cross, that my life has been redeemed because he made a decision to create quiet places in his life to learn to hear his Father's voice. Amen. How are we going for time? Yeah, I'll get you up if I can. That'd be great. (laughs) My point is this, church. If you do not pay attention to your life, if you do not take heed to your life, the demands that it will place on you and the responses that you are prepared to give it, you will find yourself being weighed down with the cares of this world. You will find a heart that is weighed down with so many things you don't even need to be worried around. You find that your time will be taken up spinning plates, juggling balls, trying to do everything, trying to do all things, but in the moment that your time is taken up, you stop having time to build that breathing room in your life. You stop having that time to create the quiet places in your life. And so your response time to God begets, begins to get slower and slower and slower. But the problem is the enemy's response time to you begets faster and faster and faster. Until the Bible says the day come when Jesus wants to call out to you one last time, but you don't recognize the voice. You haven't heard the voice. You're not responding to the Father to say, son, daughter, I know you're spinning plates, man but I want you to step aside and sit with me that you would learn to hear me. You would learn to hear me. The Proverbs 4.25 says this. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. 
ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. I want to ask you, when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, are you purposeful about where they will take you that day? Are you purposeful about who you give your time and attention and energy to that day? Church, I want to encourage you, let your way be purposed. Let your ways be established. Do not let distraction turn you to the left or to the right. As the Bible says, remove your foot from evil and focus on that which God has called you to. I want to encourage you, church, learn that rhythm. Learn the great dance of faith with God. Invite Him in, then sit. Invite Him in, then sit. Invite Him in and sit that you would hear the word that He would speak to in the season of your life. And when you have heard that word, allow it to fill you up and then go forth as a light and an influence in your world. There's a great quote by an author, Jermaine Riley. She says, this distractions destroy action. And if it's not moving you towards your purpose, leave it alone. If the cares of this world are preventing you from becoming the person God has called you to be, I want to encourage you, leave it alone. Justin, I don't know what that is. You know, God has called each and every one of us to be a light in our world, to be Jesus to those that do not know that. And if these cares of this life are stopping you from doing that, I want to challenge you. Are there things you really need to care about? Are there things you really need to be spinning? Are there balls you really need to be juggling? And I want to leave you with the scripture this morning as we come to a close. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because Jesus knew the voice of his Father, because Jesus would meet him in his life, in those moments of creating space. Why don't we stand this morning? I really had it on my heart seeking God that there are people that are so overwhelmed so weighed down in their hearts by distractions in this life that are causing you to juggle so many things and you're at that point where you say Justin if one more thing gets added to my plate if one more ball gets thrown in the mix it's all coming down it's all coming down. I'm literally on a knife edge. I've got so much in my hands that if one more thing happens to my life, my marriage is gone. If one more thing happens to my life, I'm out of here. If one more thing happens to my life, I'm throwing it all in. I can't do it anymore. Church, I'm telling you, God has come into this place and He wants to come into your life and He says, if you will just trust me, I want to come into the middle of your home that I can connect with you and it's okay. 
It's okay to take my hand as I extend it to you and say, come sit with me. I know, I see, I understand why you think you've got to juggle while you're juggling. But I've got a word for you. I've got a word for you that's going to set you free. If you would just sit at my feet, choose the better part. I know it's hard, but choose the better part. God knows what it's like to be under that weight and that pressure, enduring. But thank God he knew his father's voice. Thank God he knew his father's voice. For some of you, it's been so long since you've heard it. Justin, I don't even know what it would sound like if he spoke to me in this place. I don't know. Today's a day that you can be reacquainted with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Today's the day that you can say no more. You know what? I dropped the plates. I dropped the balls. In this moment, in this time, I want to make a decision to come before you and say, God, I choose the better part. I choose you. I just want to sit. God, I just want to stop. Speak to me. Speak to my heart. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to take a step of action this morning. If that's you, I don't want you to think too hard. I want you just to come down the front right now, and I want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, would you come down? I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you that God would break through in your world, that God would give you answers in your world. If that's you this morning, you might be wrestling with this, going, I don't know. I want to tell you right here, right now. Come down the front. Let me pray with you. God is in this place to meet with people. God is in this place to change lives because He cares about you. He cares about you. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. If that's you this morning, come down. Don't be shy. God is in this place. Don't miss an opportunity. Thank you. Come on down. Come on down. Come down this way. You're all right. I know this, this, God is talking to some people in this place this morning, saying it's you. I'm talking to you. You feel your heart's going 100 miles an hour. Step out. Don't be afraid. Come down the front. It's not to embarrass you. It's to set you free. It's not to embarrass you. It's to release you in Jesus' name. Today's the day we say goodbye to distraction. Today's the day we dump the distraction. Today's the day you get a new lease on life. I'm telling you, God would say, let the balls go. Let the plates go. If you would just hear my word, it's going to be okay. Just trust me this morning. If that's you, come down right now. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right now in Jesus' name. I'm not going to labor on. But just before I do pray, there may be people here. You say, Justin, I've never experienced God. I don't know what He's about. But I know that I'm juggling things. I know life's not right. I know life, things just aren't right, don't feel good. There's too much on my back. No one can get rid of it. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus can. If you've never met Jesus, you don't know who He is, this is the first time you're hearing about it, I would love to offer an opportunity for you to say, Justin, you know what, I'm not sure of everything, but I know I need something. I want to tell you that something's Jesus this morning. If that is you this morning, no one's looking around. I would love to pray with you that Jesus would come into your life. That he would take that seat in your life and say, come and enter into my rest. 
if that's you this morning, just really quickly, no one's looking around. You just put your hand up and say, Justin, that's me. Just really quickly, no one's looking around. I'd love to pray with you. Just say, Justin, could you pray with me? Just really quickly. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.